Texas talking oh. What was that that you said Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Hi, this is Jason Stanford, the new communications director for Austin's Mayor Steve Adler. Here's hoping your Thanksgiving dinner conversation is as informative, supportive, and nice as Tribcast is. Now, here is your host, Reeve Hamilton. Wait, what? Emily Ramshaw? Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for Thanksgiving week. I'm joined by an unhappy-looking CEO and editor-in-chief, Evan Smith. I wish that the world could have heard the conversation that just took place. <laughs> We're not going to sh- clue them in. They'll have to listen to the post-Tribcast No, not even remotely, but oh my God. <laughs> uh, reporter Patrick Spitek, who's standing in for Ross Ramsey, who is a no-show. It's, it's an honor. You've been blown off by Ross Ramsey. You're you're nobody unless you've been blown off by Ross Ramsey. Right. Right. Uh, And reporter Edgar Walters, who was actually supposed to be here and got here on time. Well, thank you. The unkindest cut is that Ross is this generation's Paul Burka in terms of not showing up at stuff. Is there a history of Paul Bergen not showing up and stuff? That'll be its own trip cap. <laughs> All right. We'll save that for next week. Also, you've got like the two tallest people in a newsroom to, to be That's here. I, I'm feeling towered over. Well, we had to even things out, out given you and me. Seriously. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you guys just hunch down for the whole trip, guys. It'll be better. They already are. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about millennials. The... <laughs> always hunching. Always with the hunching. This is the longest opening banter I've experienced on trip, guys. No, there's been worse. No, oh, it's, it's much worse. <laughs> well, I really want to talk about Sid Miller and rattlesnakes. Although Evan thinks we should have a much broader conversation about I, it. I, I think that the Sid Miller Facebook post, by which I mean the Todd Smith or Team. Sid Miller no, Facebook. They actually post. said it was Sid Miller's. It was, Facebook they're post they're claiming time. it was actually Sid Miller himself with his fingers on the keys on the Facebook. Pretty sure. He remembered on the his, he remembered his <laughs> Facebook password. <laughs> it might have just auto. He logged in, or does, does Sid Miller's phone auto-populate? Uh, no idea. We'll have to ask. So him. Sid, was he on his phone or was he on his laptop? Unclear. Sid Miller, in Probably any case, on his laptop because he had to put the, that terrible picture of the refugees. Sid Miller, in yeah. any case, whether it was actual Sid Miller or somebody who was a facsimile of Sid Miller, uh, posted something on Facebook that compared refugees to rattlesnakes. Have I sufficiently described what happened? Yes. I mean, he said basically, you know, that that you don't know if all rattlesnakes are going to bite you, but the chances are one will, you know, next to a picture of all these Syrian refugees. And so the world uh, the world was aghast at Sid Miller's Facebook post. Fid, Sid Miller himself was not aghast because Sid Miller essentially doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on this subsequently when pointed out to him that it may seem a little bit insensitive to compare refugees to rattlesnakes. His response was basically, nothing to see here, keep walking. Right. And actually, you know, the last time there was a sort of inflammatory Sid Miller Facebook post, it was um, a post suggesting maybe that we should, like, you know, nuke somebody, right? Nuke the Muslim world. And in that case, it came out that it was not Sid Miller, but one of his staffers who had the keys to his account. In this case, he just claimed it and, in fact, put the post right back up on the top of the page, as in, like, you know, hey, yes, let's promote this. So, so there are two issues here. One is a practical one in the modern world of politics and campaign and office staffs. If somebody who is not you puts something on social media, a tweet or a Facebook post or what have you, in your name, but you did not do it yourself, do you own it? And yes. the, the answer is y- yes, Right. If it's in your name, it may as well be the case that you did it. Now, in this case, we thought he hadn't done it and he did it himself. But had he not done it, would 
he own it any less than if he did it himself? And I think the answer is in this world, if it's got your name on it, you own it. Right. Right. I mean, as right, you know, you shouldn't be giving the keys to your Facebook account to someone you don't trust. Well, Donald Trump's intern or whoever it was yeah. in Rick Perry's office who Dan tweeted Patrick's that thing, intern. tweeted that thing about Rosemary Lemberg. The one, one man and one man. Oh, Dan, yeah. Dan Patrick's one man and one, one man, man and one thing. Man. Um, you own it. L- live by the the tart quip on Facebook or you know post or what have you, and die by it, right? But the but part B of this is that other than the media getting its panties in a ball over this Facebook post, were there really any consequences for Sid Miller this time? Were there any consequences for Sid Miller the last time? Were there consequences for Dan Pat? No. I don't know, but never use the word panties again. <laughs> Why? <laughs> underwear. Just go with underwear. Pa- it, panties are not a thing. No, what, just don't say it. <laughs> what do you want from me? Did I accidentally stumble into something here? What is this? <laughs> Even Todd, the producer of this, laughed. So. But that that's the expression, panties, not <laughs> right. underwear. Right. Don't get your underwear yeah. in a ball. <laughs> nobody would say that, actually. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, I mean, Broadway. My, my, but he, nobody yep. cares that Sid Miller did this. That's the point. What consequence is there? Well, and he had like 100,000 likes on it, the post instantly. And actually, he also, he likes, he was going into the comments, I think, and liking, liking some of the comments. Liking the terrible were. things people okay, so, saying. So <laughs> this actually, as all conversations these days do, pivots to Svitek. And the, and the world that's <laughs> and the world that Svitek covers because there is something Trumpian about Sid Miller saying stuff that in normal times might be perceived to be crazy with not only no consequences but potentially positive reverberations. Yeah, I mean I think in, in Texas there are no political consequences for that kind of uh, I don't want to say rhetoric, but you know obviously it's an environment in which he is not really politically punished for saying something like that and not only saying something like that but not backing away from it and, and embracing it but so are we in like a post gaff era i mean in, <laughs> no, seriously like in between the last presidential- nice nice framing well, in between, That's pretty good. All right, thanks. You actually turned this BS conversation into something serious. <laughs> well, I did, I, I've been thinking about it. You know, I mean, it, in the last presidential cycle, you know, as poor Rick Perry found, you can basically get eliminated from consideration by making one blunder. This time around, people can just plain old lie. I mean, Donald Trump can say he saw Muslims celebrating in the streets in New York City on 9-11. Or New Jersey. But the difference right. is, New Jersey, sorry, yeah. I mean, but the difference is in the delivery. Right. I mean, like one is offensive, right, maybe to some people. One is a gaffe. I I don't know. I I mean, Rick Perry called, you know, people who didn't believe in in in-state tuition for the kids of illegal immigrants, you know, uh, heartless. Like that's a, but was that a gaffe, or was that the well, politics of the of the new world I think it rear, came rearing their as... heads? And and look, uh, Edgar does make a point. There is actually a distinction in some of these things. Rick Rick Perry was in 2012 at that point considered a serious character. If Donald Trump or Ben Carson or Sid Miller says something that is two two, it's actually more in keeping with their brand rather than less. And the Perry goof may not have been as much. Oh, that's just Perry. It was actually perceived to be this this big misstep. If Sid Miller says something not perceived to be crazy, that may be more of a surprise. But right? you know, you have Ben Carson, who's you know basically like you know making up points on his resume. You have Donald Trump saying things that are factually completely inaccurate. It, you know, I, I feel like there's a different level of well, but go, but even go. Punishment. I mean, again, back to kind of yeah. the architecture or the narrative of this campaign, I should say. 
go back to the beginning of the Trump phenomenon when he was, you know, retweeting the thing that said Megyn Kelly's a bimbo. Oh, yeah, and making period you know, jokes. Mexicans are rapists I mean, and all okay that kind of stuff. It's okay to make period jokes in this campaign, but Rick Perry couldn't forget it. Carly Fiorina's face. I, I just feel so desensitized. <laughs> well, that's exactly isn't it? Hasn't this whole year like, been a just, year of desensitizing? Yeah. Just in just in recent weeks, my my personal threshold for outrage has risen so high. It takes it takes so much He's nowadays. He's never going to be to mad again. Just... Not that I've ever seen him mad to begin with. But 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 I think he's right. This is the the threshold has has raised or lowered depending upon how you view it. This this sort of stuff. What's what's remarkable about this is how unremarkable it is. And, you know, look, what is the Sid Miller brand? Sid's got a Sid, right? He's being, him, he's being himself. He's being Couldn't himself. Have said it better myself. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious, you know, sort of to translate this into the latest Ted Cruz conversation. He, he made headlines this week or this past week for some comments he made about the UT football team, which, you know, talk about sparking outrage. Were you with him on the trail that Yeah, day? it was at a town hall in Sioux City, Iowa. It was the beginning of his most recent trip to, uh, to the state. And um, he was talking about... Uh, well, he usually has this line about how Iowans take politics as seriously as Texans take football, and he used that as a segue into, I guess, recalling the Iowa State-Texas uh, game, and he, you know, uh, compared Texas team to, I guess, a bunch of girls playing in middle school or something. Um, and everybody, the, the immediate <laughs> social media outrage was, it was Ted intense. Cruz picks on UT. And I'm like, Ted Cruz picks on UT. Ted Cruz just exactly. said basically that the, the UT football team plays like a girl, which I'm sorry, but since when is that an okay phrase to you say? You can compare girls to a lot of bad things, but don't you dare compare them to the Texas football team. That's too far. I mean, haven't we? Speaking of thresholds for outrage, apparently. Well, that is, it touches my threshold for outrage, sure. I mean, because not only did Ted Cruz make that statement, everybody else interpreted the statement as like, ooh, burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we shouldn't call the UT football team, you know, uh, junior high girls. But what consequence has there been for Ted Cruz? Well, Zero. Right, and if I'm, you know, entering the headspace of a primary voter who's leaning toward Ted Cruz, you know, it... it Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't political correctness sort of, you know, a oh, it's definitely out of style? Yeah, yeah. It's way oh out of style. So, yeah. so Edgar's right. The the people who are for Cruz are not put off by that. They probably go, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if they the, are that, that like remark girls. about the football team. I don't even know if they're really I don't know if scrutinizing like, it. They're just it's just as part of the the conversation yeah. for them. And the, and same <laughs> as the Sid, the Sid Miller voter sees the rattlesnakes post and they go. That's just, yeah. yeah, I think that's just part of their rhetorical right. ecosystem. We're kind, of, we're kind of for this, right? Right. I, I mean, so. there was no backlash, obviously, to that to that comment, other than from UT now, the, fans. The, 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 the Cruz people either said publicly to the world or privately to our Abby Livingston, who reported it, and by me and the Cruz people, I mean Catherine Frazier said it's a, it was a joke. But there was not some big apology that had to happen from the Cruz campaign because this is a different world. I don't think the Cruz campaign has apologized for anything since – I guess actually the one thing they've apologized for was when he uh, made a joke about Joe Biden after Bo Biden 
died. What was that? I'm trying to remember that I don't mean to take the conversation was. that direction, but he... he what, well, you don't he, want to depress yeah. us? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Way to bring the room down. Discussion if already. Ross were here, he would have kept it light. Uh, yeah. Well, at, at the time, Cruz had this line in his stump speech about, um, you know, Joe Biden, you, you just say his name and he gets laughs and, the, you know, people laugh at him or whatever. And he, I guess he used that line, I think it was in Michigan a day oh, after right. Bo Biden died. So that's okay. That's the one time they apologized. Right. But for the most part, I mean, and that's not just Cruz's campaign. A lot of these, these, these presidential campaigns on the Republican side have just blown through controversy after controversy and authenticity is a, at a premium this uh, cycle that's what's being rewarded by voters at least according to these bs polls yeah right i mean yeah i think and so BS authenticity polls. Out, outsideriness yeah. mm-hmm. right but i think the authenticity piece a precondition of authenticity is that you don't apologize for who you are mm-hmm. and if you say that stuff then not backing off of it or backing down from it is 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 part of your brand that's how trump has gotten to be trump Mm-hmm. To some degree, it's how Carson has gotten to be Carson, although Carson is having yeah. a bit of a harder the, time the, right now. There was a recent poll on Trump, and they asked the respondents, I don't know if this was an early state or national, they said, what do you like about Trump? And the highest response rate was for he says what other people won't say. It was like 40% for that. And then faith and beliefs was in the low single digits. <laughs> so, like, it just shows that that's people are just so right. disproportionately drawn to that. But people just really desperately want to make period jokes, and they yeah. feel so held back. Every time My you say period <laughs> jokes, I think you're talking about punctuation. Uh, this is the problem. I've got, to, I've got to get my brain around this. But, you know, as Patrick and I were talking about before we came out here, Cruz is now – According to Quinnipiac, a poll that we're apparently supposed to like. I'm impressed that we you love can, Quinnipiac. I'm, I'm yeah. really glad that you both can pronounce that word. Quinnipiac. It's the Q poll. It's the Q poll. Yep. The Q poll. <laughs> uh, Cruz is now in second place in Iowa. We may be looking at President Ted Cruz. Tex- How are you feeling about that, Emily? Uh, the Texas Tribune is feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> this is like Perry in 2012. Yeah, it may yeah. not be good for the rest of the world, what, what, but it's great for us. Is that it? It's really good for Patrick's Southwest status. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's going to be A-list, A-list in no prefer- time. A-list preferred. I'm already A-list. I'm are you, A-list. Already a- yeah. It took me. Th- I was 48 before I was A-list. How did you do that? It's called it's your boss agreeing to send you yeah. every friggin' week. Wh- which Southwest cities do you fly into? Um, Austin's a Southwest city. I mean, go yeah, through but you Chicago have to fly a lot. From Austin. Yeah, Des Moines a Southwest city, although it's not as flexible as other cities. So, you have a companion pass? No, not yet. I think well, that comes to A-list preferred. Speaking but. of speaking of airplane travel and gaffes, this is all going to come full circle. You know, Ted Cruz had his sort of version of a Rick Perry moment in a debate where he said he was going to name five state agencies that he wanted to shutter and then named the Department of Commerce or something two times, right? Mm. But Amon Bathija, a reporter uh, for the Tribune, had a really interesting story. <laughs> Perhaps this... you've heard of him. <laughs> um, to Tribcast listeners, you may have heard of him. He's been on right. the Tribcast before. Right. He, he had a story about previous in previous campaigns or, you know, previously Ted Cruz had said he wanted to shut the TSA. But he, you know, has not said that on the trail this time around. And Amon asked his office repeatedly and has not been able to get an answer. I mean, is that is it a flip flop? Has he gone back on on wanting to close the TSA? I mean, I think it shows that during, you know, I personally wasn't around to cover the Senate race. But I think it shows that there are still some, you know, open questions or positions yet during the Senate race that are not, you know, being fully fleshed out in the presidential race. As, as Amon noted in his story, I mean, the TSA was a lightning rod issue at the time. Right. I think doing not, just, not just downs. in Texas, but yeah, but nationally. And obviously the, the climate on that has, the issue climate on that has shifted a little bit. Well, so it's especially no longer... in the last couple of weeks. Exactly. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean. But do you get, I mean, it seems like you get held, you know, so accountable for switching positions on things these days that, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen much conversation. Yeah, much right now I think it. Cruz is getting more more attention for potential or perceived reversals on trade, on mm-hmm. immigration in some ways, on uh, intelligence programs. Is any of it hurting you? Um, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of this is being fueled by Marco Rubio and the, the growing rivalry that they've had. And I think with these these spats that Rubio and Cruz have had over immigration and then intelligence programs have really only helped both of them. They've been mutually beneficial. On on immigration, it has you know further emboldened uh, Cruz with his base, and on Rubio, it's further given him gravitas with with his base. Same thing on intelligence programs. These are contrasts I think both candidates welcome. Are Rubio's numbers shifting at all? I mean, you know, this conversation about it being maybe a Ted Cruz and Marco mm-hmm. Rubio show. I mean, have we seen much movement there? Yeah, Rubio's numbers have been going up. In fact, for this piece we did on or that I did on Sunday about Cruz's kind of rising stock in Iowa, I took a look at the, um, you know, the real clear polling, real real clear politics national polling average since Labor Day, which is when Cruz's campaign started ramping up in Iowa. And the only other candidate who had a, a higher climb in Iowa than Cruz was Rubio. Um, and I think that you see that in other early early voting states as well. So, I mean, play this out for us. Is that what you think? We're, you've been spending a lot of time in Iowa. You're heading back. On South, flying in on now on flying in, uh, We're even sending <laughs> him there English for preferred. Thanksgiving weekend. Patrick Svitek will be with Ted Cruz. Are you mm-hmm. not going back to Indiana for Thanksgiving? No. No, no, no. No, I hope God. his mother is not listening. Oh my God, to this. Mrs. Svitek, the contempt yeah. from your such a, such a bad son. Just like Evan, we not heard that. Not as bad as me. But, 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 but. Yes. yes. Um, so I mean, what's the what's the mood on the ground in in Iowa like right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's what's interesting is that you know, this past trip to Iowa, I was able to see a little bit of Cruz and a little bit of Rubio, and you can see why they're both doing so well right now in, in the in the crowds that they're drawing out. But they're very different events. Rubio's events are, are very polished. Um, there's mm-hmm. a pen for the press. You actually have to stay in the pen throughout the event. I thought you meant um, like a pen. Yeah, <laughs> a exactly. Pen. There's like literally. Um, a, like, there's like very. Like a it's pig pen. very <laughs> and, and a period. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very well produced. Um, soft lighting. Um, definitely younger, more youthful audiences. And then you go to a cruise event, and it's basically him at the front of front of the room doing a stump speech. Reporters dispersed throughout. Um, very interesting contrast. But you can definitely see talking. You know, talking to Iowans why they believe that it's going to come down to the two of them. Um, Cruz is, you know, Cruz wants it to come down to the two of them because he's always envisioned it as a, you know, yeah, rock contrast. solid conservative and, you know, a squishy moderate. And he's been trying to, you know, nudge uh, Rubio into that that moderate lane. I personally think that Rubio has a little more crossover appeal than, than Cruz would like to. You think like Cruz think. would rather run, have it come down to him and Rubio or him and Trump? I think it definitely him and Rubio because he can at least make a clearer contrast. Um yeah, I mean, I, I mean. <laughs> you know, there are some people who think that if if it's you and Trump at the end, that there's a pretty good contrast right there. Yeah. You know, um, so you think he'd really rather run against? He'd rather be it down to him and Rubio. Absolutely, absolutely, I think so. I think he he, he relishes that opportunity because Trump's you know spotlight has not faded at all, even mm-hmm. though everybody said it was going to. Okay, the so fli- the flip side the flip side of that is that if you're down to the wire with Trump, mm-hmm. don't you secretly? Like point to Trump and then make that sort of twirly sign with your finger on your temples. Yeah, it like, hasn't some, worked. Yeah, some can, uh, like 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 re- so like <laughs> really. You're like me versus yeah. him, really, Rick as opposed to it. Rubio, yeah. where in fact there's an establishment wing of the party that has, of course, chosen the nominee each of the last two cycles. That maybe looks at Cruz and Rubio and goes, in the end, we would rather go to bat against the Democrat in the fall with the guy who looks more or less like we look like. 
Sure. The thing yeah, is, primary voters don't think that way, though. That That is the Republican Party's problem but right that, now. But that's how they got McCain and Romney, which Cruz would say was the problem. Yeah. But if you if you make Cruz if you put Cruz up against a perceived establishment guy, the party's recent history has been that they would tend to choose the establishment guy. If you put Cruz against the, against Trump, Cruz is the establishment guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? Know, great by comparison. Yeah, of course. Um, what happened to Jeb Bush's big comeback <laughs> after Paris, oh, Patrick? No. I, I don't cover Jeff Bush. The exclamation point is now a question mark. Ted Cruz. Is that it? Well, let's keep our Texas by, Guilty by association? Yeah. Okay, fine. All right. Well, the biggest news uh, this this holiday week so far has been uh, Planned Parenthood's uh, anticipated but still sort of a, a surprise, I guess, announcement that it would sue the state over Texas's move to kick Planned Parenthood out of Medicaid. Uh, Edgar, tell us what we need to know. What, so what is the latest on this? Um well, right. So I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised, but Planned Parenthood, um, yeah, filed suit. It's a federal suit. Uh, they have looped in 10 patients, uh, and basically they're saying, um, you know, it's illegal for Texas to actually kick them out of Medicaid. Um, and, I mean, is the jury still out, literally, the jury still out on that? I mean, I, I know this has happened in a bunch of other states. Yeah, I I think so. Um you, so, I mean, obviously it depends on who you ask. The Obama administration has said pretty clearly that they think that this could be illegal. Um, because you're not giving patients a choice of where to go. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, and then, so, like, yeah, in states like Louisiana, we've seen it sort of play out in Planned Parenthood's favor. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I guess it just sort of just depends on on the, the courts. What was it? Was there a ruling, Evan, that I saw you tweet about in Wisconsin? Yeah, this yes, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals yesterday ruled that the Wisconsin abortion law requiring abortion providers to uh, to have their doctors have admitting privileges at well, that's uh, admitting privileges admitting yeah. privileges hmm. at hospitals was found by a vote of two to one to be unconstitutional. And people who are are, are interested in seeing the Texas law overturned are pointing to the Wisconsin uh, law and the Circuit Court's ruling as they think potentially a hopeful sign. Who the hell knows? Right. Honestly. I mean, what, what Edgar, is the state's rationale for why these clinics, you know, should not be receiving any state Medicaid dollars? Because these dollars already were not going toward abortions. They were going toward, you know, like contraception, right, and, and cancer screenings? Right. Um, so when you read the state's original letter where they're telling Planned Parenthood we're kicking you out, um, it's interesting. They sort of lead with, um, you know, as any good reporter might do, sort of the newsier mm-hmm flashier moments of the day saying, you know, hey, there were these undercover videos that show, um, you know, basically you doing uh, bad things. Like, um, like like the harvesting of, of um, you know, fetal tissue right, for the alleged, or is this like billing fraud? Well, so first we're talking about the fetal tissue stuff and you know, alleged safety violations like not wearing gloves, not really following the rules. But actually later, uh, further down in the letter, um, you get into more of the nitty gritty because, as you said, the the Planned Parenthood providers that are taking Medicaid are not performing abortions. That's illegal. Um, but later on in the letter, the state is also saying, well, we may have reason to believe that um, you're also committing billing fraud. 
What's really interesting to me about their concerns or their investigations that maybe these clinics are performing billing fraud is that the people who are supposed to be investigating them are, you know, with the OIG and the Health and Human Services Commission, right? These are the same, in theory, the same people, the jack sticks of the world, you know, the people who have been getting in quite a bit of hot water over their investigative tactics, right? Uh, Right. Um, Although, so there's a new... You know, there's a new head honcho in charge at the a office. New of sheriff in town. A new sheriff in town, right? Um, but, but you're absolutely right. In the records that they asked Planned Parenthood to turn over, I think they go back five years. So we're talking exactly some of those same players who had been in the news. You know, around all the orthodontic fraud or- and around all these, you know, this, the dentist, the pediatric dentist fraud, and this is the same group of. Of people, I'm assuming. Right. And basically the deal there was that they were sort of alleging fraud, but then not able to collect any of that money because um, the allegations were sort of hard hard to prove, impossible to prove. Have they been able to, I mean, if they're now making these claims of fraud against these Planned Parenthood clinics, have they collected against these Planned Parenthood clinics? Well, they've told us that they have a whistleblower. We don't know who the whistleblower is. Um, Abby Johns, Johnson, the mm-hmm. the... The, she was a former Planned Parenthood employee, right? Right, who's sort of made a name for herself now as an anti-abortion activist. She told the Houston Chronicle that she was the lead whistleblower, but the state says they have to protect their whistleblower. It's really sort of unclear at this point where those allegations are coming from. So is she confirmed as the whistleblower? I mean, well, the state, the state okay. hasn't confirmed it now. Yeah, I think they probably can't. They're required, yeah, right. you know, to protect them. So, well, I think anyway. I mean, it's it's an interesting case, and obviously something we expected to happen. But I think it's all, you know, time is going to tell what the courts decide to do on this. It sounds like the feds have made good cases elsewhere, but but you know, we haven't gotten really a ruling from them. Right, and I think it's going to be a really interesting sort of big first test for this new guy, Stuart Bowen, who's in charge of the. You know, he's the new inspector, the new general. inspector general. Right. And um, because he's going to have to make this right, know, right, case. Right. And he took this office basically saying, you know, I'm here to clean up. Obviously, there'd been a series of scandals at the office of inspector general before that. But then now to be stuck in a lawsuit, I mean, it could go either way, but I, I would say probably the stakes are pretty high for him. Well, th- and think about this one of the very first things he did in that new job was to uh, walk back. The claims by the governor and others that somehow the state had made a decision to kick Planned Parenthood out of the, the federal Medicaid. Yeah, is that right? This out of is this, in this particular case, it's it's the Medicaid program. Well, wait, wait, so uh, Bo, so Bowen had remember Bowen then had a series of phone calls with reporters, including Ross, right, right in which he said actually. We haven't done Hang on. That. Yeah, we'd like to. We're in the process <laughs> of investigating whether we're going to, but the final decision hadn't been made. So. Right. Right. Bowen, at least, was trying to remain above the politics of all this, if only judged by that first thing he did. Right. I just don't know if it's ever really possible to remain above the politics of this when we're talking about an issue like Planned Planned Parenthood. Yeah, never. I mean, not in Texas, at least. Um, Someone else who found themselves in a little bit of hot water again this week was Ron Reynolds, uh, the state representative, who now it looks like... uh, uh, from what our reporting last night, he spent the night in he had to well. We saw the jail. A, uh, one of the Houston TV stations tweeted out a picture of his mugshot. Mm-hmm. I, ho- I hope we have a mugshot. Is it file. a mugsh- mugshot or a smugshot? I haven't seen it. It did, he didn't seem very <laughs> smug to me. Okay. He didn't was, look very smug. No, um, it was a mugshot. But I, I hope we're, we're keeping a mugshot folder on our uh, CMS. I mean, it's it's multiple misdemeanor accounts. There are a lot but of it them looks these like days. A jury convicted him or sentenced him to you know a year in jail. Which is for ambulance chasing. 
That seems pretty intense. It's pretty serious. It's it's a little surprising it hasn't gotten more just attention. Not not just not media, but just as far as the political outrage machine is concerned. Well, a couple like, of Republicans on Twitter, Stephanie Click, I recall, was one, but a few of them other did the end. Zone, a few other ones did the end zone dance about mm-hmm. this. Yeah, you know the idea that the Democrat was uh, was thrown into into jail, convicted and thrown into jail over this. I don't believe I, I'm not looking at the numbers. The breakdown of the parties in the districts and the house districts but i don't believe ron reynolds district is likely to flip no i mean yeah. last time it, he, he was and, re-elected, he's, and he said he was running for re-election he's running for re can you run from re- for re-election from jail i mean that's a serious question God, like if only ross were here yeah, he <laughs> that's the kind of thing that ross knows <laughs> yeah. i mean it is interesting you know the last time he was running for re-election when yep. he was running for his third term this was an issue he'd been accused of ambulance chasing this was and, and he, he was won, re-elected despite yeah with like 67 percent of the voters 64 percent of the voters something right. like this guy is not um you know he doesn't have serious right. republican challengers but um that in a said, state with non-competitive elections it's legitimate to ask whether the public ultimately gives a crap about this stuff yeah what ended up but does it open terry the door? hodge didn't terry hodge did she resign Former or did she or, eric johnson beat her Maybe, or did eric johnson yeah. win a seat that she ultimately had to not i'm not recalling but did she, she was the last did she person vacate? i remembered who actually had to go to jail right yeah yeah um, and then do we have any other news in the um, campaign filing um, dead, uh, as we bump up against campaign filing deadlines? The Susan King race, did she, you know, officially bow out or step back? It remains to be seen, I think, mm-hmm. as far as I know. I know that she has not yet filed because of, again, this is a, I'm sorry, is this a medical emergency? I mean, she basically said she, didn't she say her, she was Her consultant put out a release that right. said that she, she was, was battling depression. depression. That's right, okay. Right. And um, that she had essentially paused her campaign mm-hmm. while she... Uh, or paused her putative campaign because mm-hmm. it wasn't actually an official campaign. Right, but I think she still has three weeks left to file, so I think yeah. it's still an open question. That's still mm-hmm. a topsy-turvy race between her suspending her efforts, if you want to call them mm-hmm. that, and then you know John Cobb getting out, getting back in. Um, it'll be one to watch. That, <laughs> that sure. district is just so big. To me, to Correct. realize that you have so like Don Buckingham, who I guess lives maybe on like, in the Travis, Aust- but is working Austin in Austin, to be running against somebody from Abilene, I don't know. Well, potentially. It's a, it's a, it's a, and in fact, is Reed Williams in that race also? Yeah, he is fine. And he's yeah, in San Antonio, He's right? down, yeah. Originally, he was a former San Antonio city council member, lives in that Maybe area. he's north of, yeah. but, but but it is a big district. Look, I'm really interested in the filing stuff in all the people who have had seats in the legislature previously and either left them voluntarily or involuntarily and are now back to seeking them again. Such Chente as, Quintanilla yeah. against Mary Gonzalez. Um, Philip Cortez against Rick Galindo. Of course, he had lost to John Garza, not Rick Galindo. Um, but uh, uh, Philip Cortez, Marianne Perez in, in Houston, uh, uh, seeking her, her seat again. There are a bunch of uh, people who want to be like Jim Murphy uh, and, uh, and a few of the others, Rodney Anderson, the Grover Clevelands of the legislature, people who are serving in their second non-consecutive term. Um, I think there are something like six or seven of those uh, running now to regain their uh, their old seats. So, and the calculation for them is at least in part Bennett Ratliff against Matt Rinaldi in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. The calculation is at least in part that the voter turnout in a presidential year is different than in an off year, yep. and that maybe that will somehow change the the math for them. Yeah, so it's certainly bigger. I wonder, is it more moderate? Mm-hmm. I mean, is the, like, I would imagine in a presidential year the turnout so. is more moderate in Texas. Yeah. Um, so like in a Bennett Ratliff case, he's wondering if people who might be, you know, slightly more moderate voters would, would turn out 
um, as he tries to win back his old seat that uh, where he lost that primary to, to the most conservative member of the legislature, Matt Rinaldi. Yeah, I think the map, the, just the legislative electoral map, has been relatively quiet so far. I mean, there haven't, there haven't been a lot of fireworks that I've picked up and on. And we had a bunch of early people retire or say they were running for other offices, but... I mean, you besides know, the weird entrances and exits in SD24, um, there hasn't been, a, I don't, I feel like just not a lot of major developments. Well, if you would like to claim one of our seats here on the Tribcast, you can email us at tribcast at texastribune.org. You too can be Ross Ramsey's you substitute. You too, yes. We tweeted out Ross Ramsey's empty chair, so next time it can be you. <laughs> uh, you can also sign up for Tribcast alerts at texastribune.org slash Tribcast. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Patrick, Edgar, and our producer, Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking. Nice attempted save. Unsuccessful. <laughs>